All right, welcome once again to another edition of the RSVP Music Chat Podcast. I'm John Sinkovich. And I'm Ralston. And we are here with a very special guest uh, this afternoon, Seth Bernard. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. The Sethster. Yeah. Sethilator. <laughs> you just are fresh from doing a Rolling Stones tribute at 20 Monroe Live. Um, but it really, to me, that sort of sparks in my mind what it is about you or what it is about music that you think makes it important to collaborate. You collaborate as much as any musician that I know in Michigan. You are the founder of the Earthwork Music Collective, which in and of itself is all about collaboration. Uh, you've pitched in on other people's projects. A lot of other people have pitched in on yours. Why collaborate? Why should a musician, if they're really tied to their music and what they do, why should they collaborate? Well, I think that collaboration opens everybody up. Um, I think that uh, music intrinsically is, is a form of communication. So um, if you can learn that universal language, it opens doors all, all over the world and in your community. Um, I think a lot of us came up by um, having an older person, you know, take an interest in sitting down and spending time with us and helping us find our own gift of music. You know, I know that's the way it was for me. Um, and collaboration also strengthens community resilience. So we need our communities to be strong and resilient. We need people to be communicating with each other about what's happening and the decisions that need to be made to make things uh, work and for best possible outcomes. And in the musical community, um, it, I, I strongly believe, and I think that the evidence is there, that uh, collaborative communities uh, produce higher quality music and uh, higher quality of life for those involved than uh, highly competitive communities. So, um, so do you have an example of like maybe a project you were part of that you you learned something or that you played something that you never would have played otherwise? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, um, this whole Egg Tones project that I've been working on for the last few years, um, I've tried to mix it up with each album slightly and, and being around different people, even just being around someone's energy, the way that you vibe with, with them being in the room, um, you know, it shifts things. And then the way that they would play notes or approach rhythm in the room uh, changes things. Singing with different people is a, is a major, you know, source of, of uh, inspiration. Um, so like, you know, lately I've been working with a lot of different folks and, um, it's invigorating, you know, especially for those of us that have been doing it for a while and, and do it for a living. Um, I find myself reinvigorated by collaborating with different people. Breathes new life into things, even things that you were doing probably before, where somebody comes along and starts adding their particular slant on it the way that they do something yeah it gives it and it kind of breathes new life into it for you right yep totally and earthworks always been about people who are working towards social change with their music have you rediscovered some of your own music in the process oh that's a good question ralston yeah yeah you know i've come back to some older songs recently and uh tried to reinterpret them as the person that i am now you know like i put out my first album when i was 20 uh, it finally came out when I was 21, uh, but like even going back to some of those songs now that I'm 38 and being like, what does this mean to me now? How yeah. does this feel now? Um, Give it yeah, an example of one of those maybe. Um, uh, there's a song from that first album called Unwrap the Gift. I turned it into a waltz, kind of slowed it down. Um, 
because it's all about being present and it was kind of this upbeat jam it's like this doesn't feel right anymore mm -hmm. you know i want to slow this way down hmm. yeah. you know this egg tones project has been fascinating because not only because of the messages that you're trying to lay out for people necessarily but you've also tagged i mean it, it, you can't possibly describe what genre you're performing in uh from album to album because you've got hip-hop elements you got world music elements you got a lot of special effects um to me that is a finding a way to embrace maybe styles that maybe you're not comfortable with or maybe that you want to explore more yeah yeah for me it feels uh the egg tone series has been really freeing in that i've been able to um find a container big enough to to uh, express a lot of different aspects of what i'm interested in um, ways that i feel would be the most authentic way to to communicate an emotion or a sentiment or a, a hope um, and i've always loved hip-hop and I'm, I'm finding myself more um you know in communication and collaboration with hip-hop artists and mcs and beat makers and uh there are a lot of sounds, I, I call them like early 8-bit sounds from my childhood, like cheap Casio keyboards yeah. and weird like kind of like video game effects, bleeps and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, samples, you know, um, sampling has been like a hallmark of hip hop music. But um, I think that, you know, opening myself up to sampling voices of, of my heroes and spoken word pieces that underscore other sentiments in the songs has added more depth to the music um and uh lady ace boogie is a is an amazing hip-hop artist from grand rapids and she and i have been talking about collaborating so it's you know it makes sense to me because i love everything that she's about and even though i'm like a quote-unquote folk rock artist and she's right. a hip-hop artist both of us are sharing a vision for um making the world a better place and so it's interesting to see what kind of music is going to come out of that, you know. You know, we deal with musicians who spend their entire careers in one relatively narrow genre. What encouragement would you give to maybe younger musicians to not feel boxed in by that? I mean, if they feel maybe they've been influenced by, you know, a folk artist and this is what they're doing, um, how, how do you open yourself up as a young artist to other styles, to other musicians, to hip-hop, to, to, to whatever? Um, and what does that do for your music? Mm, yeah, it's an interesting thing. It's a good question, John, because like, you, you want to be authentic, right? And, exactly. And, um, and for some people, that's like having a specific sound that's authentically theirs. And for others, I think we have to sort of give ourselves permission to have a broader spectrum. I remember one of the first times I played in New York City, I played this show at the living room. And this guy, who was a great musician, he came out to the show and uh, came up to me afterward. He's like, what are you going for, man? I'm like, what do you mean? These are my songs, you know? He's like, I think that you should go for like one thing instead of all these different things. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of like just in this space right now where um, I'm following my muse and these right. are the songs that show up. And I think that um, there's a there's a value in like honing in your voice and I think I've done more of that since then. But at the same time, it's like the industry wants to put us in boxes. Yes. That's a form of commercialization and commodification. Yeah. And that's not necessarily what the artistic process does for people. 
um, especially through different passages in your life. You look at visual artists and how their work changes over time, and it's it's staggering. And um, I think that uh, being in a community that's so supportive and freeing and built on real relationships, um, like we have here in Michigan, it's a healthier way for artists to have that freedom. And one of my mentors, when I um, wanted to start making records, I kind of was leaning into him like, hey, what should I do? What should I do? And he's like, you got the support that you need. What you need to do is give yourself permission. And that was exactly what I needed to hear at the time. And I think that I say that to younger people now too. It's like, ultimately, it's up to you giving yourself permission. And there's a big difference between goals and expectations. Give yourself permission to do something different, to try something. Exactly. On the other hand, isn't there a balance? Because, yeah, you don't want to be static and stay the same and do the same thing over again, but you don't want to confuse your listeners either. I sometimes hear criticism from average listeners who say, yeah, but I listen to that album and it's all over the board. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't feel like they could hone in on what exactly they liked. Yeah, yeah. You know, I notice also another thing along along that same line of thinking is you'll hear a band put out a record that's just so real. It feels like you're in the room with them. Right. Then they blow up and then their next album sounds like U2. Yeah. Sounds just like U2 and it's like, well, they were thinking about the stadium that they're going to play in when they wrote the songs. And there, I think there's an, a danger in crafting your art um, for a desired out, outcome. Um, I remember one time when we started to enter into the world of licensing, I went to this Tibetan teacher that I had been, uh, been able to sit with in the past. He was an amazing guy. I was like, you know, what is this like? He's like, well, if, you're, if you write a song and you're in a space where you're pure of heart and you're writing it to be a, a benefit to all beings or just to express your heart where it's at, then the song can have a life of its own and anyone that hears it will feel that. Mm -hmm. But if you write a song so that it gets placed in a Red Lobster commercial, (laughs) people that hear it in the commercial will know that that's what it was written for. You know, So I think that's where some of the authenticity can sometimes get lost, where people are like, I want to do this, and you're almost like outside of yourself when you're doing it. And some of the companies realize that. I think where they, I mean, even the bigger labels know that they want this authenticity, so they go, well... Let's get let's get that person or let's get that sound and craft it because that's what it sounds authentic. And in the process of doing that, they don't realize that they're not getting the real authenticity of it. It winds up being very much manufactured. Yeah, yeah, right. And there's you know there are a lot of different ways to craft a living. A lot of us have multiple revenue streams. We're figuring out how to make it work with side hustles and playing gigs, doing some work in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of licensing, a little bit of, um, you know, um, that's, that's, but that's kind of what it's been all along, right? We, we, somewhere along the line, there's been handed to us this package that says, this is what the music business is. And this is how you make a living. But even the guys like Robert Johnson and all these different people over the years have been like doing all kinds of things, right? Mm -hmm. Playing with different people. Um, yeah, and the industry changes. Right, you, you have know, to have a variety uh, of of influences, and that's that was the other thing we we're talking about. Like maybe right. when you put yourself around people, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, when when you bump up against some of the other genres and the people, like John was asking, how do you make open yourself up like that? Some of that's going to rub off on you. I mean, maybe just by yeah. hanging out with some of these cats that you've hung out with, you go, 
I really like this. And you're hearing them and you've gone to their shows and you're watching it and then next thing you know, it's creeping in. Yep. To your yeah. Head. And so many of my heroes, I'm sure yours too, have done the same thing, you know. You listen to even one Beatles album, even the White Album, it's like, what genre is that? Every song oh, yeah. is a different mm-hmm. genre. Mm-hmm. Dylan is a great example of someone who's just like a journeyman, and you love the fact that you don't know exactly where he's headed. Mm-hmm. Neil Young is one of my heroes, and he's always just chasing the muse and knocking down walls. and It's always him. You can always hear him mm-hmm. being himself, but um, you can't hold him into one specific genre. Yeah, you, you love the artist. You know, you love, you the, love artist. the artist. Yeah. And I, I I feel, you know, grateful, very grateful to have had support from people to just sort of follow that journey. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, wherever you're going, we like what you're about, so let's let's go there too. And one of the things that's surfaced in these conversations is a musician who is versatile and able to collaborate with other people also provides himself additional career opportunities. Meaning you mm-hmm. can't if you can sit in with somebody who plays jazz as well as sit in with somebody who plays rock, you can maybe maintain your career and make a career out of music. If you were very narrowly defined in what you're doing, you may find yourself struggling unless you can find ways to, to work in other parts of the business. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And and another thing, you know, going back to that question of like what kind of counsel I would offer is like it's healthy to st- Push yourself, too, to step outside your comfort zone. Even if you don't stay there, you're going to learn some things. Um, Like even playing those Stones tunes last night, it was a trio, you know, and like I was playing the Keith Richards guitar parts and trying to sing the vocal parts, too. And there's a danger in sort of like emulating Mm -hmm. uh, Mick Jagger, you know. And well, you weren't no dancing like that. him last night. No, no. You know? And I was Who's like, like, I'm, I'm going to do this as me, but I'm going to like learn the songs. Uh-huh. And I, I learned a lot just learning those guitar parts. And then I had to practice to play and sing at the same time. Because, you know, the rhythms are very different than what I do when I sit down to write a song. But yeah, I tried to just do it as me, you know, and, and like feel... Especially like that song, Wild Horses. It's like, wow. What amazing tune. One of the best songs I think the Rolling Stones ever wrote. Keith Richards was in a Definitely. zone for that one. Definitely. There's, the word is Graham Parsons had a big hand. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. That. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just a yeah, very, very beautiful song and a big, big container for feelings too. So. Now, we talked a little bit about this, your latest project, Egg Tones. This is the last mm-hmm. piece of this Before project. we go off that, yeah. Like, yeah. Egg Tones, can you give me a, a yeah. give us a little bit of background on, on just the name? Oh, yeah, the yeah. name. Why, why don't you give us some background on it, Ross? Well, I'm more I interested just, in what other people I, take Because, because I, my thought is it has to do with the, uh, um, the separation of yolk and, and uh, embryonic fluid. <laughs> okay. And, and it contains the life. It's that birthing process of a new cracking open, a new shell, coming Te- out of your shell. You're that getting, be... Tell me more. I want to know. Yeah, I think it's scrambled eggs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but, but is, it, is, it, is it talking about an actual physical cackleberry, or is it talking about a paint color? Wow. Well, good, another good question. Another yeah. good question. Now, I, I like I like to use evocative words, sometimes making them up. I've done that since my early days. Like, um, I have some of people's favorite songs of mine have a little bit of mystique, like the song Sassafras. Mm-hmm. Pretty direct song, but the refrain talks about the Sassafras. And to me, it's Sassafras is this tree that um, 
it makes its way up to uh, Michigan, but it mostly exists in the deep south, you know. And uh, so there's a metaphor thing. There. There's a metaphor there, but who's to know that? It's up to people to sort of feel it. Right. You know, Zeke is another song where there's this figure, Zeke. Who is Zeke? You know, I'd rather let people just feel it. Sure. What sure. is it? Egg tones for me is yeah, it's it's that it's that idea of something new, hatching something new. Um, I think that uh, personally and within society, it's been a real transitional, transformational period since I started working on this. And um, around the 2016 elections, you know, the year leading up to it, I was working on all of this stuff, and the country was very fractured, a lot of fear, a lot of worry about what the future looked like, mm-hmm. um, a lot of sort of intentional divisiveness uh, being being put out there. Um, and so I was going through a big transition in my life um, and also had just become a father. So I felt like there was a strong need to sort of grieve a sense of loss and a sense of, um, you know, um, things not being the way that we had hoped or not the way we expected them to turn out. But the necessity is there to keep going and to manifest the best possible outcomes for the future. Um, and, um, so egg tones is like, what kind of a new story can we tell? So like it, it would, for me, it was like an incubator for you, for the things that you hadn't been doing. <laughs> I like that. Right. I mean, there we go. There were a lot of things that you've wanted to do, mm-hmm. but as Seth Bernard, you felt kind of in that little restricted, but this gave you a, again, a big, a big incubator to try these things out. That too. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, when we did the second harvest gathering 2002 uh, Dominic Davis he made the schedule as a big menu that sat outside uh, the barn at Earthwork Farm okay. um, and the nickname that he gave me was Eggs Bernard each band was a dish I so know. some of my friends oh, call there, me that's where it started huh? some of my friends call me <laughs> Eggs okay. um, and then that's excellent Tones hey, yeah, hey funny keep them coming man <laughs> Okay. Okay. The egg, the right. egg jokes and the puns are gonna start right. now. Right. Here we go. Tones, though, you know, it's colors, sure. it's sounds, um, it's kind of a sense of fun too. Mm-hmm. And there's a one of the albums is Egg Tones for Fun, um, and that's sort of like giving all these people. I've worked with so many people who are trying to make the world a better place, place trying to help people, trying oh, to yeah. like lift everyone up. You guys are constantly doing that, lifting up the scene, giving people a sense of community and. Um, sense of place and belonging that mm-hmm. runs deep and uh so egg tones for fun was kind of to just give people some smiles and laughs mm-hmm. in the midst of all this hard work that we're doing you know now that we've cracked that mystery <laughs> hey, 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 hey. um that does lead me though to the whole political end of things you definitely yeah. tackle a lot of political issues when i've watched you perform some of the things that i found most inspirational are the little talks that you give during your performances you are incredibly committed, as everybody in Michigan, I think, should be, to protecting our environment and to celebrating the natural resources that Michigan has. And yet, amidst a turmoil, really, that we're seeing right now, the attacks on the environment and attacks on regulations, how does an artist put that forward without necessarily... You know, maybe it influences their art, but but aren't there dangers in doing that? Or is it really we should be standing up for what we're... You know, we should be standing up for these things and we should be talking about it as part of our art. Yeah, yeah. No, um, it's it's gotten to a point 
politically where I feel like everyone needs to get involved to turn things around. I mean, uh, one definition of fascism is the merging of state and corporate power. And so that's a bipartisan definition of where we're at right now politically, at the state level, at the federal level. It's, it's a form of fascism where corporations have outsized control uh, of the government and of our elected leaders. And people are sick of it. People who lean left, people who lean right are, are all sick of it. And meanwhile, things that matter to everyone equally, um, namely water, um, water is, is being put in peril. The Great Lakes are at stake. People's universal human right to clean, safe drinking water is at stake. And our leaders are failing to do what's the simplest, most essential thing to just protect life in the name of greed and, and a form of madness, as I see it. And um, so I think we have, we have again, it's like a, a time of reckoning that we're in, and um, there's great potential in that. So I think what we're trying to do with the Clean Water Campaign for Michigan is, is tap into some of the potential of people coming together to stand up for what's meaningful. And um, I had the, the sound guy, I made friends with the sound guy last night, and he had this great analogy of like, you know, it, politics has become like football and you have everyone trying to get down to the red zone and work from the five yard line to get into their end zone. And most people have tickets at the 50 yard line thinking these are the best seats. Here we are in the middle and everyone's just far left, far right. The game's working. happening by the, by the goalposts. The game's happening by the goalposts and it's, and it's madness. No one can agree on anything. And most of the, the money actually comes from corporate interests anyway. And um, so I think that um, the change has to come from the grassroots. And there's a lot of room at the state level for people to affect change. And um, traditionally, like 30, 40% of the people come out and vote. I think we had 35% of the people vote in the midterms last year. It's horrible. It's despicable. And we're going to elect a new governor, a new attorney general, lots of our Congress, tons of local seats that are really important. Every drain commissioner has a huge job of like, you know, overseeing the use of water, um, these these uh, boards that oversee our electricity are very important, and and how we use power, and that affects water too. So I think it's a it's a time uh, that's kind of exciting in some ways because you see all these new people running for office, and some of them are just of the people. Right. They're being asked to run, and they're doing it. You know, and I see a lot of people like that in the race right now. Um, and they're, they're sick of how divided things are and really w willing to sit down and talk. Um, so as a musician, what exactly are you doing as part of like pushing for clean water? Yeah, so we started the Clean Water Campaign for Michigan. Um, I've been working on water issues for 18 years now. Um, so I've gotten a, a good sense of uh, a lot of what people are doing around the state, lots of different organizations. Um, you've got Kent County Water Conservation right here in Grand Rapids doing an amazing job locally. Um, there are environmental councils spread out all, all over the state. Michigan Environmental Council in Lansing. we got uh, Northern Michigan Environmental Action Council. Wemiac. Wemiac, Midmiac, Emiac. Um, there's Michigan Citizens for Water Conservation, uh, which has been big on the whole Nestle decision. Um, and ge generally, like... Uh, working for the people to protect water and understanding that water is to be held in the commons. That goes all the way back to Roman law. Um, 
There's a group called Flow for Love of Water, a great group of environmental lawyers working on policy. Um, we, the people of Detroit and the People's Water Board of Detroit are great, great organizations uh, working still on the Detroit water crisis where people are having their water shut off. Um, emergency management was another one of these things where private interests took over public sectors. And the cost of the delivery of water goes way up while unemployment is going up and wages are going down and people are like this is this is a crime against humanity and it is mm -hmm. you know um so but, but i'm curious are you are you so, singing about this yeah. or are you, or are you you're working with people thanks for bringing actively, me back you know what i mean yeah that, yeah that, so so i found myself in this position where i'm in in communication in collaboration with all these groups all over the state flint rising is another one uh Groundwork Center for Resilient Communities, and then musicians, musicians who want to use their art to, you know, spread the word. And art brings us together in a way that um, no other thing does, right? So we decided to enter into this work um, creating uh, videos, podcasts, and putting on events and having a presence at existing events. Um, so we're trying to, you know, take this support that exists, take this network, this movement for the water that exists, and infuse it with art. And uh, I found that in my in my experience, musicians come alive when they're uh, associated with a cause, right. you know. And and um, most artists are very uh, compassionate empaths, you know, uh, who feel deeply and want to help. And then people working for these organizations, you know, they come alive when they have art and music infused into their organization. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like that symbiotic relationship that we're looking for. Um, we went around and did interviews with people all over the state over the last few months, and we're making these videos and rolling them out. So that storytelling is big, where someone tells their story, you can't really argue with it. It's right. their story, you know. And everybody has a connection with it's water. It's more memorable sometimes than statistics. True, exactly. And then we're doing events. So um, the first event is going to be September 1st, the Water is Life Festival, uh, right on the streets of Mackinac, uh, in Mackinac City at Conkling wow. Park. That's nice. where we did the first water festival back in 2006. Way back when, right? Yeah. Um, and this is uh, very, very much um, organized by uh, people who are, belong to tribes, not only in the Great Lakes, Mich uh, Great Lakes region, but all across North America. Janan Cordenstock is the head organizer. Also involved in the Michigan uh, Environmental Justice Summit in Flint. That's September 8th. There's going to be a cultural event that night in Flint. Um, and then closer to the election, we're going to be doing lots of events. We've had a lot of support from businesses, too, uh, specifically the craft brewing industry, which is uh, made up of people who value water. It's yeah, absolutely. absolutely essential. Yeah. A lot of times people, I mean, sometimes these kinds of things can become very dry, very uh, weighted down yeah. with, uh, with all the technology, all the uh, argumentation that goes on with it. So, so coming along with art, that's trying to help lift it a little bit, make it a little more accessible for people. Mm -hmm. So you get the, the artists. It's more fun. Right, it becomes yeah. more interesting. Yeah, it brings people in. And as a musician, or as the musicians are out there, I mean, we, we, we've had people say, you know, shut up and sing. This is not yes, it's their backlash. Role, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. to, be, to help inform those artists uh, of the statistics. I mean, the statistics are necessary. But to be able to give them the, the tools they need to be able to, to not necessarily argue, but present the case. Uh, just like no nukes, when we had 
you know, that whole thing about the nuclear proliferation. Uh, Red and Roses, it goes back for me when I was watching uh, Mimi Farina and, the, and they came up with that Bread and Roses that people need bread to eat, yeah. but they also need roses and art to be able to sustain that life as well. So I think what you're doing is phenomenal. So. It is. Thanks, guys. Hey, has there been any backlash? I mean, do you get people that say that? You know, shut up. <laughs> I've gotten that with other stuff over the years, but not with water. Okay, people are good. on board, you know. Everybody's on board to protect the water, and you're not really a true Michigander if you don't care about that but stuff. Let Everyone wants I to protect agree. the Great Lakes. Yeah, that's Absolutely. so much of our identity, and to have it that is. just siphoned off into... And even economically speaking, if you're only thinking about money and jobs, Mm -hmm. you still have to protect the Great Lakes and the water. It's the lifeblood of our economy. Mm -hmm. And uh, beyond, you know, economic, you know, um, motivations, it's it's the lifeblood of blood of our beings. You don't you can't have life without water. So it's just terribly irresponsible to. to like turn your back on the largest source of fresh surface water in the world. So is there a website or a particular one place that you would just yeah, have to yeah. kind of narrow it down? Because you get so much coming at you. It's like, okay, where do I start? It's Yeah, people do get overwhelmed. Um, MichiganCleanWater.org is our website. And if you look up Clean Water Campaign uh, for Michigan uh, on Instagram or Facebook, we're there. And then the hashtag that you can search is MICleanH2O, and you can find a bunch of content that way. We have our partners listed at michigancleanwater.org, so you can check out the partners. And you don't have to be a musician to do this. This, this Not at all. Anyone can do it. You can donate there. You can sign the mailing list. You can scope out the work of partners. Um, Musicians can ask how they can get involved. Exactly, yep. And we've been talking about um, doing some, some fun, interactive things. We're working with kids, too. Um, just creative uh, empowerment is another part of the work that I do and have been doing with a lot of other organizations. So giving young people the tools for creativity is just so important these days. And especially when arts funding is being reduced greatly. Mm-hmm. Um going in there, finding other sources of income to come into schools and uh, sources of, of support. You know, and there's a lot of places that will give you grants to go, go into schools and do that sort of, sort of what stuff. What would be the process so, for getting into those? I mean, it's just like I can just walk in off the street and go, hey, I want to I wanna walk in and talk to children because that could be kind of creepy. You know, I mean, you got to go through some right channels. The way you describe it. <laughs> I know, I know. And, and, I, and, I, and I certainly don't want to If be, you but... rang the buzzer at some of yeah. these schools and did that, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> Not a good idea. So, so no, yeah. there are certain people or certain ways that people can do that. They just can't just show up. And... No, exactly. I do it through organizations like On Stage for Kids mm-hmm. and Seeds. I just started a nonprofit called Title Track. Mm-hmm. We're, we're working on racial equity, clean water, and youth empowerment. Mm-hmm. Um, and using music and art and storytelling around all of these things. Um, so back to the clean water campaign, um, we're talking about doing like a, it wouldn't be a contest, it would be more like um, an open call to people to, to write and submit songs about water and then to create compilations like mixtapes and to have them on Spotify and Apple Music nice. and to like print them up and have them available at the shows. Um, but there's been so much support for it this year. And, um, you know, when I talk about water at shows, um, 
it's more important than me, so I have to be ready. If people are upset or they're, I didn't come here to listen to politics, some people have walked away, mm-hmm. but I feel a sense of responsibility anyway. Usually people cheer and they'll like shout things that they think, you know, right and like speak out about whether it's Line 5 or Flint or Nestle or the Detroit Water Shutoffs. PFAS is another big thing that we see in Rockford and all over right. the state. And some of these things, it's like, well, it's the enemy is is not important. The solution is what's important. Okay, right, we've got right. PFAS contamination. It happened for a variety of reasons that were unforeseen at the time. Right. Fire retardant and water retardant chemicals leached into the watershed. What do we do now? Let's work together. Yeah, you the know? fire, the building's burning. You don't stand outside on the street and say like you you lit the match. No, yeah. you lit the match. Put That's out the right. fire. Yeah. We got to put out the fire. Yeah. We got to do it. It's of the utmost importance. And I always say like. We have to get it right in Michigan, and if we do, when we do, we have this template that other people can use because it's a global freshwater. What crisis. are you the most excited about right now and seeing in terms of the response that you've seen? The most exciting thing to me is um, the potential for uh, clean water candidates to be elected and to have a huge turnout, especially of young people. The younger demographic is the lowest turnout, especially in midterm elections, but I see lots and lots of young people fired up not only willing to vote but calling and emailing and interviewing their people running for office in their districts and putting the pressure on so i'm hearing candidates regurgitating talking points that are coming from activists and they have to do it to get elected and once they do get elected i think that the infrastructure is there for the civic engagement to continue it's especially encouraging to see this new wave of young people. And you're still able to keep all the other things that you've got going on. This is like a huge project. I mean, the Harvest Gathering is still coming. Ralston Fan Club is still going. <laughs> yeah, that, that take, yeah, that's like a full-time job right yeah, there. Yeah, 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 two yeah. or three people I calling do. every day. But the earthworks and everything, you just, you know, there's so much going on for you. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. My daughter is four. She's so much. She's just a bundle of fun. And her mom is amazing. And her mom's an amazing artist. Uh, who's also working very hard and we're, we're um, sharing the duties very uh, very well, all things considered with everything we're juggling. Um, and that's the biggest priority, you know, as, as you guys know, as fathers, um, to have a thriving child who has what they need. And um, she comes up with songs all day, you know. <laughs> yeah. so talk about give yourself permission. See, you rubbed off. Yeah. She'll just r- make up a song. I'll be like, can you sing that again? Don't remember. I'm on to my new material. She's got the she got the water stuff down too. She's, she's she cares about it. I I I've definitely she's been around a lot of talking and she knows she knows that things need to be more fair in the future and we need to work on it. But age appropriate, of course. Sure. Well, um, eggs Bernard over easy. We appreciate <laughs> you taking the time out of this incredibly hectic schedule to come and be part of the RSVP music chat. Good yeah. luck in everything happening. Uh, obviously, you've given us a lot of information that we'll also share at Local Spins and beyond. But but thanks so much Thank for being you. part of this. And, uh, yeah, and my pleasure. And, and keep up the good work. Hey, you guys too. And you know, to the listeners out there, I, I got to um, give huge props to John and Ralston for everything you guys have done to uplift the scene over the years. I mean, uh, I, I can't say enough. Local spins is just a phenomenon, and uh, Thank you. Thank you I I hear people all over the state saying how how they've discovered so many artists through what you're doing, and um, you've you've got a whole legion of people covering music, and they're true music fans and music lovers, and new content all the time. It's always always uh, refreshing to check it out. Ralston, man, you booked me my first gig when I was 
just barely able to like play without staring at my hand the whole time. Here in well, Grand Rapids, I saw and, the potential, and I'm so happy. I, 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 it's like you. I'm a, I feel like a happy father every time I see you get up there and play. And I love your songs. I love your records, and people need to uh, keep spinning your records. And I'm. I'm Excited for the next one. Maybe we could work on another yeah, one. Yeah, we should. There you go. Yeah. See, we sparked another collaboration yeah. right here. Yeah. All right. Thanks yeah. a lot, Appreciate guys. guys. Uh, if you do have comments about this or anything else that comes up and you want another subject covered by the RSVP Music Chat, make sure you hit the speak pipe button. You can leave us a voice message right there on the website. But otherwise, we'll be back for the next episode within the next week or two. Hopefully. And, and pick, yeah. up the, pick up the new Seth Bernard album. Yeah. Right. There's a new Eggs. record out. Yeah, Egg Tones, Four Directions. 14 songs. It is a killer deal. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot, guys.